Hey guys, welcome back to Poetry in Motion Cowboy Podcast. Now, if you listened to the last episode, we were talking about the All-American Futurity. We were getting geared up to watch it. It was a super good race, but Jess Saving Candy was not able to win the All-American Futurity and put the wrap on Triple Crown. So we did not have a quarter horse Triple Crown winner this year. Then to top that off, Impressum had a chance to win all three of the big uh, derbies. He got beat. Then Whistle Stop Cafe, who was last year's All-American winner, got beat in the All-American Oaks. That was her first loss of her career. Um, She retired right after that. Going to go to the breeding shed, but none of the big three that we're really looking for to have kind of historic wins, none of them were able to to pull it off. just saving candy in the all-american futurity he had some trouble in the race like it didn't go perfectly for him he didn't break the best kind of got away from the gate slow and then as they got out through there he got bumped around a little bit and uh, that's just quarter horse racing like it happens gonna have some traffic gonna get bumped around a little bit but that's that's why records like special effort being the only horse to win the quarter horse triple crown that's why records like that are so hard to break because things are not always going to go your way. I really think when we get to looking at at cowboys and trying to describe who or what a cowboy is, I think it's hard to describe a cowboy without including that he's one who overcomes adversity. And this is true with guys that rodeo and guys that are working a ranch job. It gets debated a lot, kind of gets thrown around, the question gets put out there, um, is is cowboy something that you do, or is it somebody that you are? For for example, can a big city banker be a cowboy? Like a guy sitting there in a suit and tie in a fancy office driving a BMW, can he be a cowboy? And the flip side of that is, can a guy that's working a ranch that's out there horseback every day taking care of cows can he not be a cowboy and that is a debate for another episode it's definitely something we'll get into that'll be a lot of fun but for for right now this is what i want to say about that if you're gonna be a cowboy you better be a cowboy if you're gonna do the things that a cowboy does you better have that little something extra inside of you this winter was a great example of this. Parts of the U.S. this winter had record cold, record snowfall. I talked to guys that literally had newborn calves freezing to the ground. Like it's, that's not an exaggeration. And for somebody that lives in North Dakota or somewhere, that may be usual and normal. But for us in Northeast Texas, that is not the way things are supposed to go. But calves freezing to the ground, trucks wouldn't start, tractors, the fuel in the tractors was gelling up so bad that they wouldn't run. As soon as you would try to chop ice, the ice would, it would already be frozen again. Cattle weren't even having a chance to drink, even if they were following behind you as you were chopping ice. It took men and women with that something extra inside them to keep cattle alive this winter. So thank God for cowboys who are willing to overcome adversity. One cool thing that I did see this winter, 
some people had rigged up how to put a burn barrel out in the middle of their pond. I don't even remember how they had it all set up, but instead of just going and, and chopping ice and then watching it refreeze as fast as they could chop it, they were starting a fire in the pond to keep the ice melted. That's overcoming adversity. That's working through hardship, not not getting frustrated and defeated, and, which you're going to be frustrated, but not getting frustrated and defeated where you just quit, but, but looking at it and saying, these are the facts. The facts are that it's ridiculously cold, and we're just going to have to find a way to get through it and, and to make it work. I really feel like adversity and obstacles is just part of a cowboy's job description. Like if you're going to be, if your employer was honest with you and you went to sign up for a cowboy job, like he should just say, you're going to have to deal with adversity and obstacles. This winter, everybody was dealing with the snow and ice. But then this summer, it was it was drought and it was fires and, and all this stuff. It seems like it's always something on the ranch. If it's not too wet, it's too dry. If you're not having ice and snow, you're having forest fires. There's always something going on. But one of the biggest obstacles that I would say cowboys face is injuries. I've, and this is not just for the rodeo guys. This is for cowboys in general. I remember a guy that I, I worked for, I remember him riding colts with a cast on his foot. Um, actually, the reason I had an opportunity to go work for him in the first place was because he had a cast on his arm and he was having a little bit of trouble riding colts. And that was how I, they had a need for somebody. So I got to go in there and start working for him. But then he's unloading a horse out of the trailer one day. She kicks him right below the knee, <clears throat> breaks his leg. I don't know how long the doctor told him he was supposed to take off to heal up and recover, but I know in a lot shorter period of time than that, as soon as, pretty much as soon as he got into a walking boot, he was riding colts that most people wouldn't want to get on on a good day, and he just wasn't putting his foot in the stirrup. He'd just sit up there and, and ride them with no stirrups. And that definitely was a, a bite of humble pie for me because I was still riding the other colts, but when I'd be wanting to gripe and complain about whatever I was on trying to buck me off and kill me, and I'd look over there and he was riding one just like it without his feet in the stirrups with a walking boot on, and that's definitely overcoming adversity. J.B. Mooney this year, okay, let's just start off by saying that J.B. is a freak of nature. There's not very many people in the world that can just wake up one morning and be like, hey, I think I'm going to make the NFR this year, and then go do it. But J.B.'s set to make the NFR this year, and he gets hurt. He lacerated his kidney. He rides his bull, kind of has a bad get-off, lands out in front of him, gets stepped on right up underneath his, his vest, kind of in the one spot where he wasn't protected, goes home and goes to bed, doesn't even go to the hospital till the next morning, and finds out that he has lacerated his kidney. I have never lacerated my kidney but it sounds highly, highly unpleasant. I don't think I'm waiting till morning to go to the doctor. But even with a lacerated kidney, he's only going to be out six weeks. But this is as he's sitting seventh in the PRCA standings, trying to make the NFR, chasing Sage Kimsey, who has just dominated for however many years now, hoping to be healed up in time to go to the NFR, if, which he should hold on. I don't think... I don't think those guys are going to catch J.B. I think he'll still be sitting in the top 15. It comes time for the National Finals Rodeo. But 
he's going to be going in after a, a six-week layoff where these other guys have been having a chance to, uh, to stay fit and in shape and doing the things they need to do. So overcoming injury is just, is just part of it. Now, like I said, I've never lacerated my kidney, but we were at a rodeo one night in Welch, Oklahoma, and I was entered in the bronc riding, and then I was supposed to be fighting bulls that night too. And um, I think we've discussed my bronc riding career a little bit, that it wasn't super glorious. I never got mistaken for Billy Etbauer. But um, kind of just sitting on my butt, not setting my feet, get dashboarded, land right out in front of the horse. And, and luckily he didn't step on me, but as he was jumping over me, kicked me in the side of the head, gashed open my eye, it's all blurry, seeing double and everything, and then still had to go back out there and fight bulls that evening. And, and fighting bulls is not a terribly easy task at any point, but when you're seeing two bulls turn back every time somebody nods their head, it's just obvious adversity. It's an obstacle. But you get through it, you get over it. It's part of being a cowboy. Part of the reason that cowboys have to overcome adversity, have to overcome obstacles and injuries, is because generally if a cowboy isn't working, he is not getting paid. If you rodeo for a living and you're not entering, riding, and winning, if you're not doing all of those things, your family isn't eating. Even if, even if you're a single guy or a single girl, whatever, going up and down the road, if you're not winning, you're... You're not eating. You're not putting any, any money in the bank account. You're not cashing any checks. Then you got ranch cowboys who are going. Most ranch cowboys don't have the best health insurance anyway. They're definitely not getting very much medical leave because most big ranches think that cowboys are highly, highly replaceable. If you're not working, you're not eating. Even if you are working, though, this is another hard part of it is that even if you are working, even if you're putting in the effort, if you're going and you're rodeoing, you're entering, you're putting out the effort, but you're not drawing good, you're still not eating because you still ain't picking up any checks. If you're working a ranch and you're doing everything right, you're working as hard as you can, you're working your butt off, but your calf crop freezes to death, or summer comes and you run into a drought and you run out of grass and water, you're broke. Financial adversity is huge for cowboys. And I know that there's non-cowboys that deal with financial adversity too, but I've never been a non-cowboy, so I can't talk about it from their point of view. I just know it from the cowboy point of view. But a lot of guys you'll see, a lot of cowboys, take in outside horses to ride to overcome some of that adversity. Especially if you're working on a ranch, working feedlot, something like that somebody will send you some colts and so you make a little bit of extra money for for riding their colt while you're doing your job pretty sweet setup getting paid on both ends but it's also kind of a feast or famine deal because there will be months where the barn is full and things are rocking and you think you're never going to see another poor day and then you show up one day all those colts have gone home and there's no missed calls on the answering machine nobody's wanting to send you any horses all the hopes and dreams, all the things that you had set up up to that point are just are just gone. And on top of that, usually when somebody sends you a colt, it's not because he's such a good-minded, gentle sweetheart, or if he was, they would have been riding him on self. 
when you're riding somebody else's hard-minded, runoff, spoiled, rotten, renegade thing, then you're doubling up on increasing your own chances of getting hurt, which then just goes back and multiplies the adversity and everything that you're having to come up against. Part of Cowboys overcoming adversity, though, is that some of the very best leather workers, some of the best bitten spur makers, silversmiths, any of the cool cowboy tack and gear that you come across, some of the guys that are the very best at doing that started it as a side job. They started it because they had faced financial adversity being cowboys. They knew they had to do something else, so they'd put their time and their knowledge and their effort into a side job, and now they're famous. They're making way more money building bits and spurs than they ever did working on a ranch somewhere. Being able to think outside the box, learning how to put a burn barrel in the middle of your pond so it doesn't freeze up, learning how to do silver work so you're making some money on the side, that is overcoming adversity, and cowboys are the best at doing that. One of the biggest obstacles, though, that a cowboy ever faces is the very ground that produces his way of life. If there's not wide open pastures and cattle and grass for them cattle to eat, then cowboys cease to exist. A, a cowboy, just by definition, you just break the word down, a cowboy is a boy who takes care of cows. Now, I know a bunch of girls are going to get mad about that. There can be cowgirls too. But if you just take the word cowboy, it's somebody who takes care of cows. Cows eat grass. There's got to be space. There's got to be ground. There's got to be grass in order for cowboys to take care of cows. So the very land that produces the grass, that puts the fat on the cattle, is one of the biggest obstacles that cowboys have to deal with. One of the main adversities that they come up against on a day-to-day -day basis. Think about it this way. If you had a really bad, really snorty colt that you needed to put a ride on, would you rather do it up in a nice, sandy, big, solid-sided round pen where you can work him around in there for a minute, even if he goes to bucking and bouncing off the fences, it isn't going to be that bad? Or would you rather cheek that same colt around out there and have him just iron jaw and run off with you across a set of gopher holes or have him blow up and lose his mind and go to bucking off the side of a mountain somewhere? What about cows? Wild, old, mean, smart, fighting cows. I'm not talking about a set of feed bucket broke farmer cows that you go out there and whistle at them and they come to you. I'm talking about cows that you got to go find and they are reluctant to go where you're trying to take them. Those kind of cattle ain't bad to work once you get them up in a pen. You get them up in a pipe pen, yes, of course, they get on the fight because you got them hemmed up there. But once you get them in the alley and you're pushing them up the alley, not much they can do. They can't really get to you and, and hurt you. But when you've got them out in their natural habitat, when you're having to drag some big old charlay thing out of the briars and the thicket and mesquite trees and everything else, she's got the advantage over you because the ground's working to her advantage and, and not to yours. The terrain, the ground, is one of the biggest things that cowboys have to deal with. But it's been that way. It's, it's not something new. Having to deal with overcoming imperfect if you will terrain is not something new this problem 
has been around as long as there has been men taking care of animals. I mean, all the way back to the very, very beginning. I'm going to read you something. Read you something out of the Bible from the book of Genesis, chapter 17, or chapter 3, excuse me. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. God's talking here, and it says, And he said to the man, Because you listened to your wife, and you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. Now listen to this. This is where we find out about the ground being bad. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. And you are dust, and you will return to dust. Not very hard to see there that being a cowboy and your living being based off the ground is not always going to be pleasant. It says you'll eat from it by means of painful labor. It'll produce thorns and thistles for you. We talk a lot about cowboys in, in reference to being horseback and getting to do the fun cowboy stuff that we like. But have you ever had to chop thistle? Like, even Adam had to chop thistle, and that sucks. And then thorns. Thorns are one of my least favorite things. We've got those stupid trees that have those, like, four-inch-long thorns on them, and they will stick all the way through whatever it is you're wearing. Even, a, like, unless you got on a good set of leggings... They, they will even punch through the leather of your leggings. They will dang sure poke through a denim long sleeve shirt. And they got that poison, I don't know, whatever it is on them. I got one in the tip of my finger one day because I was trying to stick my hand up to keep it from stabbing me in the eyes. It poked me in the finger. And I thought that I'd got it all out and my finger was still hurting. It hurt for like three weeks until I finally found just the tip of that thorn was still buried down in there, and I got it cut out with a pocket knife and finally quit hurting. But th that's, just, that's just the way it is. Those really pretty, nice, flat, grassy places, they've all been made into golf courses now. They don't let you run cows on them anymore. The, one of the biggest things that cowboys have to deal with is the ground and the terrain that they run cattle on. Now, I have actually been very lucky to work in pretty good pastures. Where I grew up at, there wasn't a lot of 14,000-acre pastures. There was a lot of 40-acre traps. Or you'd get some two, three, four-hundred-acre pastures that was kind of woody and, and stuff. But I saw today that Boots O'Neill had turned 89 years old, and I think he would still probably just laugh hysterically at the pastures that that I think are bad because I have been spoiled we've always had enough grass to run a pair to three or four acres instead of trying to run one to a section um, got some rolling hills but usually no big washouts where you're going to run up there and not be able to see it till your horse falls off the side of it and breaks his neck um, even like the big oak trees and stuff you can kind of get around them a lot better than you can get around the mesquite and, and stuff like that. But this poem that I want to share with you guys today, even though I've been pretty lucky, haven't rode in, in nearly some of the rough country that, that other people have, this poem that I want to share with you all, it's called That Pasture, and it is all true life experiences that I've had. It I can, I can distinctly remember there's one part of the poem that talks about your your horse bogging down 
in the creek, and that's a true story. We were in Chelsea, Oklahoma, and we were trying to gather a set of cows, and there was a spot that I thought looked good. I thought that I could get across there. I was riding kind of a pea-hearted colt anyway. She wasn't necessarily the, the toughest, guttiest thing going. We get off in there, and she just sinks, and she tried about twice to get out of there, and then instead of trying anymore, she just folded up and laid over and I had to get off and swim climb crawl across the other bank and try to get up out of the creek and finally she finally kind of scrambled around and, and got up there where where we could get out but this is all it's all true stories it's all stuff that I've, I've been there I've done and I think if you guys have had a chance to cowboy any or even if you haven't I hope that that some of it that you'll kind of connect with it that that you'll feel like you've been there to these are all the kind of experiences that make you just for a minute not not for a long time but just momentarily make you second guess whether it's worth working for day wages i know there's been times where a cow would be brushed up and we wouldn't have any dogs it'd just be man on man you know you and your horse versus this big old cow that's all brushed up in the briars and everything and you know that the only way she's coming out of there is if you go in and get her. And you know that if you go in and get her, it's not going to end well. And you sit there on your horse out in the open for just a minute before you uh, commence the attack. And you just contemplate, like, I could have been a banker. Like, I could have I worked at Walmart. And then I wouldn't be here having to do this. But if you can't overcome adversity, if you can't overcome adversity and keep your sense of humor, you probably won't make it as a cowboy. If you'll notice, most cowboy poetry has some kind of, of wreck in it. Um, one of my, my very favorite cowboy poems said that the afternoon was spent with the usual flair, a near miss here and a catastrophe there. Like That's just day-to-day -day life. Most of the really good cowboy stories started with Oh, so-and-so got bucked off, or so-and-so roped his cow and his cinch wasn't tight. We were gathering, this is kind of a side note, but made me think about it. We were gathering a set of cows one day, and the guy that we were working for, he had tried to gather these cows a few times. The thing was, he was custom grazing them, and the guy that owned the cattle said, Oh, yeah, they're gentle. They don't brush up. They don't nothing. They're super good to handle. As soon as they turn these wild rips out, they hit the brush, and they would hide behind a tree and not even breathe. They'd lay down in the brush, and you could ride right by them, and if you weren't paying attention, you, you would just pass by them because they wouldn't, they wouldn't even wiggle. He said, we get, these, get around these cows and start taking them to the pens. If anything turns and tries to run, you rope them. It doesn't matter. We are getting all of them gathered today. We're not letting anything... Once we get them busted out of the brush, we're not letting anything get back. So this one Charlotte cow peels off, and me and Gavin light in after everything Everything else had gone on to the pen, so we weren't needed to help hold the herd. He kind of dismissed us to go ahead and go get that cow. Anyway, we peel out after her. Gavin ropes this rip right as she's going back in the trees, and he's riding, I don't know, that horse maybe weighed 900 on a good day. He was, he was gritty and tough as nails, but he was not very big. Gavin reaches and ropes him. Of course, he's tied on. Ropes this big old Charlotte cow deep down around the brisket. 
And it's about that time that he realizes that he forgot to tighten his saddle. As his saddle is standing pretty much straight up and down on his colt's back because he forgot to tighten his back cinch too, it's starting to run off over his withers because his front cinch ain't very tight either. Luckily, we managed to get the cow caught and get her tied to a tree to take some of the pressure off of his saddle. But that's the way that good cowboy stories start is so-and-so forgot to tighten his saddle and a heck of a wreck happened. So-and-so got bucked off, heck of a wreck happened. If you can't overcome adversity and keep your sense of humor, you're probably not going to make it as a cowboy very long. So I want to share this poem with you all. It's called That Pasture. I was torn as to if I should answer when his number popped up on the phone. He'd be looking for help working cattle because you ain't catching them kind alone. But my horse was growing fat and lazy and my wallet was getting fairly thin. I picked up the phone with a grimace. From through the line, I heard him grin. Hey, cowboy, it's been a while. I figured I'd check on you and see if you'd be around tomorrow. Could be of some help to me. See, I got this group of young cows, all gentle as a milk bottle pet. But I need to get up out of the pasture and run through the chute for the vet. Now, I sure wouldn't mind doing it myself. It shouldn't be too much of a chore. But since the vet will be there at 10, I figured it won't hurt to have one more. Now, I'd helped this feller enough to see through most of this ruse, but hampered by my finances, I pondered which horse I should use. I'd have sure liked to told him flat out, I ain't helping you one bit. But being as broke as I was, I just asked, which pasture is it? He said it's the one right there, nestled up neat behind the pen. You've helped me in there before. Won't be no sweat to do it again. You remember that little creek where you sank the bay mare to the cinches? Then got soaking wet and freezing when she climbed up out of the trenches. Yeah, that's the pasture. You remember that patch of brush? Them trees with the great big thorns? Where you ripped the sleeve off your shirt trying to get a rope around that cow's horns? Once you lost your hat on that branch, your head didn't fare too well. You bled and bled like I never seen. Probably still blood where you fell. Yeah, that's the pasture. You remember trying to send your horse up that mountain goat trail? She slipped in the mud and tripped on a rock and slid back down on her tail. It didn't look at all that steep from way over there across the creek. But you dang sure didn't make it. It's a good thing your heart ain't weak. Yeah, that's the pasture. You remember when your horse did that little somersault move and slung you out there in front? You sure did plow up a groove. That reclaimed old mining ground is full of holes and great big rocks. Good thing you're young and tough. You can handle a few hard knocks. Yeah, that's the pasture. You remember riding that big sorrel with the thin skin on his front legs? One minute I look back there and you're just bringing up the dregs. Then I take a second glance and I see your stirrups just flopping. And Sarley's headed back to the pens and doing a fancy job of hopping. He ducked around that cactus, caught you off guard, unaware. The needles that you landed in punched clean through your jeans and underwear. Yeah, that's the pasture. Uh, I took a deep breath as we hung up the phone and shuffled myself off to bed with big thoughts and emotions twisting around inside my head. I told him I'd be there and thought, we sure got lucky, old son. Now that I know which pasture they're in, I'm sure glad it ain't the bad one.
I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, remember, I love you. God loves you more. We'll be talking to you.